good to have you here. So I'm going to jump into the Word of God today. We're continuing our summer road trip here. And, and I want to talk about something a little more serious today. Um, if you would say this to me, because I have a lot of insecurities. And, and so we'll see if you say this at the end of service. I just want you to say this little phrase, please. It'll do me really good. Say, we love you, Pastor. Okay, let me hear it. Okay, seven of you don't, uh, but uh, uh, the rest of you do. Remember that, okay? Don't go back on your word because today's a little tougher subject that I want to talk about. And I really want to kind of talk about our society today and where we're headed as a society, as a nation, as a people. And, and a lot of it disturbs me. There's things happening in the world today that I just never thought would happen in my lifetime. And it just seems like it's rapid fire. Our, our society, our culture is changing. If you don't know it, society or culture, those outside of the church, they live their life a little different than a Christian should live their life. Society believes even a little differently than they used to, say, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, I mean, I go back several decades, and society is totally different. We've kind of lost that Judeo-Christian ethic thing going on in our world today, and it's not going to get better. And we just need to be prepared for that. You know, one of the things is, we as Christians believe there is one way to God. There is only one way to God, but our society will tell you that if there is a God, there's many ways to get to God. There's many ways to find God. We would say there's one way. The scripture says, and I want to go to the expert, and that's Jesus. I don't think we can get any better than that. Jesus answered them. They wanted to know what, what was the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I'm the way. That means the only way, the way, the, the, the only way to God is through Jesus. The only way. We don't need to know a lot of other things other than he is the way. What is truth? There is a search today for what is true. We ask what is truth? We, we, we look for truth in, in books. We look for truth in, in podcasts. We look for truth, you know, we discover when we accept Christ as our savior that truth is not a what, but truth is a who, and that who is Jesus. We understand, understand that truth is not an ideology. Truth is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. We don't, like society does, invent truth. We discover truth. We discover truth when we open the Word of God and we read it, not by what just someone else says. Now, yes, we hear it by preaching, you know, that, that, uh, but the preaching better be in line with the Word of God. There's a lot of preaching today that does not follow the precepts of the Word of God. So if we want to walk in truth, we need to discover the truth, and we find it in the Word of God, that points to Jesus. 
And it always points to Jesus. All through the Old Testament, it was looking forward to Jesus. The beginning of the New Testament talks about the life of Jesus. And the end of the New Testament looks back on Jesus and the future when we'll be with him. Understand this. We have an enemy as well that doesn't want you to know the truth. We have an enemy that wants to disguise the truth. That wants to turn the truth away. When the enemy, Satan, lies to us, he doesn't tell an outlandish lie. You know, it's like a little lie. Part truth and part lie. He's going to start with something that today I'm going to call true-ish. You know, have you ever had something that's true, heard of something that's true-ish? Sorta, kinda, mostly true, but not totally true. It's just true-ish. It sounds like it's true, but it's not the total truth. I've had the privilege to sit in uh, jury duty before. Privilege? Somebody's got to do it, you know? And might as well be me. And for whatever reason, a lot of times when I go in that jury pool, I get picked. I don't say, ooh, 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 pick me. But they pick me. And a couple of the ones I've sat in on were criminal trials. Matter of fact, very serious criminal trials. One of them was so unbelievable. And, you know, I've got, people know me, I've got an iron stomach. Nothing bothers me. Blood, gore, nothing bothers me. You know, this trial was so sickening that at the conclusion of it, I went in the bathroom and threw up. It was that disgusting. I've been on those trials and I watched the witnesses get on stand and they asked him, do you promise to tell truth, whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do, you know. Or some of them will leave out the God part. They have that privilege to do that. But they do it. They don't say, do you promise to tell partial truth, some truth, and mostly truish kind of things? They want the whole truth. As Christians, we should always desire the whole truth and nothing but the truth. It sounds, it sounds something sounds true, but it's not the total truth. Listen, over time, a little lie or a partial truth will get you way off course. That's how cults start, with a partial truth, something that is true-ish, and it gets twisted and turned a little bit. Just, just a little bit of misinformation can lead to disaster. There's a story, it happened in 1979, actually on November the 28th of 1979, there was a flight that was headed from New Zealand to Antarctica. It was Air New Zealand Flight 901. And this, this company would take people to the Antarctica and they would fly into an airbase there, but they would take people on tours of Antarctica. And when they would approach the, the, the Arctic Circle there and they, in, in the area, the plane would fly very low so they could see all the landscape and they could see animals and they could see different things. This, this plane was unique and people paid a lot of money to go on this, this tour of that. 
Only this particular flight, the night before, when all the mechanics were going over all the details of the plane, they, they, one of them, they think accidentally, changed one of the settings and the directional compass that they, was off by two degrees. Just, just two degrees. Something very minor that no longer was true, a true heading. That two degrees took that plane 27 miles off course from New Zealand to Antarctica. The problem was they're flying low, and I've never been there, but they tell me that the ground is white, the mountains are white, and the skyline many times is a bleach white that they're flying in. And this plane that day was flying low, believing that they were getting ready to land. Because of all this whiteout, they would land by their directions, by, by the navigation system. They believed they were ready to land, and they had dropped everything. The flaps were up. It was coming down for a landing. And all of a sudden, there is a mountain. It's actually a volcano that goes 12,000 feet into the air called Mount Erebus. And that plane, when they saw the mountain, they were too close to it to be able to avoid it. And they, they crashed that day, killing 237 passengers and 20 crew members instantly. All because of two degrees. Almost totally well, almost perfect, but just two degrees off. I want to tell you this. Total destruction from a minor deviation from the truth. That's what Satan wants. Do you realize we do have an enemy? As much as God loves us, Satan hates us. We are God's prized possession and Satan can't stand that. And he wants to destroy you. You have an enemy. You have an enemy that wants to totally destroy you. The Bible says he's the thief and the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy it doesn't sound like party time to me. You know, kill, steal, destroy. If he can get you to believe a lie or at least a partial truth, something that is true-ish, then he wins. Matter of fact, when he can do that, that is called relativism. Relativism is the belief that morality is relative to the individual or culture. That there is no absolute truth. Truth becomes what you want it to be. And we live in a society today that, that adopts this relativism. Because, you know, it says things like, well, in the 60s, uh, with, with, with the whole love generation, it, the, the saying was, do your own thing. And people did their own thing until their own thing did them. And it ended in a lot of destruction and a lot of heartbreak. But, but relativism says, you know what? In life with God, figure it out yourself. Right and wrong depend on your personal opinion. All behavior is okay if it's okay with you. And if you accept that, then you're going to be in a path of destruction because it's just true-ish. Relativism is not in the Word of God. I don't know about you, 
But, but for me, I would say we're there right now in this world. And I know I'm usually cheerful, but you know, this is not a doom and gloom because there's an answer to all of this. But I want you to know the world we turn, I'll, I'll you know, I, I don't watch very much news anymore because it's depressing. I can read Revelation and tell you what's going to happen next. Uh, but I see it, I, you know, I, I try to get some, some good resources for news and good things. It's like, you know, when I was young, we lived down near the beach and you would turn the radio on and it would say, you know, it's raining right now, but there's a good chance that the sun's going to be out this afternoon. Enjoy the beach, you know. Like, wow. My grandfather had a Coast Guard radio and he would turn it on and he would say, that's a lie. Listen to this. Small craft advisory in effect, waves up to six feet, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he would say, it's a mess out there today. And it would be. You know, there's a lot of news resources out there that, you know, they'll re- lead you all kinds of ways. But that's a rabbit trail. I won't go down at this time. We're there. Listen, the world says today, figure it out yourself. Behavior's okay if you believe it's okay. Right and wrong depend upon your personal opinion and you are welcome to have your personal opinion unless your personal opinion goes against what I believe. If your Christian views go against what I believe, then you are a horrible, racist, bigot, homophobic, intolerant, hateful, horrible person and you don't have a voice. And I see that today in this world. I see it. I've experienced it firsthand when I was in the business world. Intolerance. They had a, a, a thing come through when I worked for a financial institution where there was a bombing in Florida and it was at a fire and it was at a place where it was at a gay bar and it was horrible. Several people died. Awful people. Christians, you know, you can have your opinion, but violence isn't one of them. And I don't think it was a Christian that did that. But anyway, I went to the finance, they said, we need to figure out how to do this. And I said, I would love to sit on a panel. And the panel would be different minorities and different groups. Whether it is, is, you know, gay, lesbian, whether it's white, whether it's black, whether it's Hispanic, whether it's this view or that view, and Christian. Because there was a lot of Christian hatred that was in this institution. Everything was blamed. And I said, I'd love to sit on a panel to see what we could do. And the person that was all about love and peace started screaming at me. No, we're not going to mention Christianity. You're the problem with this world. And I went, what? You people are full of hate. And she's screaming at me. You people are full of hate. And there is no persecution to you guys. You guys are the reason everything in this world is bad. And I went, I didn't even raise my voice to you. Why are you calling me hateful? So there is, there, there's this thing. And you know what? You can believe what you want to. But if you have a Christian point of view, keep your mouth shut. Ooh, it got quiet. Pastor, we love you. So let's look at some common beliefs. Curl your toes up. I love you. I'm not against anybody. Christ died for everyone. Amen. He loves everybody. All right. And my sin is sin. And whatever it is, it's what put Christ on the cross. 
mine as well as yours. So let's look at some common beliefs, some truish. Let's look at some, some truish beliefs. Here's the first one. Oh, he's got off that subject. Good. God wants me happy. God wants me happy. That's a truish belief. It's kind of true, but it's not totally true. Now, we're all supposed to walk in joy. We have joy no matter what we're going through. We have joy in difficult times. We have joy because joy is a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, you know. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. So we're all supposed to have joy. That comes from the wells of salvation within us. But there's no scripture that says that God wants me to be happy all the time. It's just not there. I wish somebody would have told me that early in my Christian life because every time I was unhappy, I thought I was a terrible Christian. Because aren't we supposed to be happy? You know, passing out daffodils and flowers and everything like that. God wants me happy. Happiness is based on circumstances. It's based on circumstance. Definition of circumstance, the circle in which you're standing in. You know, if, if, if I go out and I, you know, hand $100 to somebody, they're going to be happy. Yay. And then I say to them, well, listen, before you get too happy, I hate to tell you, but a dump truck ran through the parking lot and completely totaled your car. Happy, not happy. The circle you're standing in. So there's times as Christians, listen, I, I love being happy. I really do. And I am happy most of the time. But there's times that I'm not. Matter of fact, if you think God wants you happy, what do you do with this? It says, for the time will come, I believe we're there now, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, instead they will, to, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths or fables. I love that. Itching ears, that word in the, in, in the original means they desire to hear something pleasant all the time. So it says in these days, the last days, and I believe we're there, that people are going to look for things that are not sound doctrine. If you go to church and it's the word of God, but you don't like it, the, the thing to do most of the time today is to go find somebody that'll say something you like that doesn't ruffle your feathers. You know, a, a few years ago, I had a problem. I, I spoke on this Wednesday night. A few years ago, I had a problem with unforgiveness. There were some people I just wanted to wallop, you know. Uh, that, that's, that's country for punch. <laughs> Repeatedly. <laughs> there were some people that I did not want to forgive. That I just didn't want to forgive them. And I was in a freedom class as a student, and they told me about forgiveness. And when they told me about forgiveness, I didn't like it. Matter of fact, I didn't want to go back to the class because it challenged something. I was happy in my unforgiveness because I could think about ways of walloping them, you know? And I could smile when I thought about it. And I could talk about how they deserved it and everything else. But the word of God hit my heart and I had a choice to make. 
Either I go back and I listen to more about it and I get set free from unforgiveness and, and, and then I discover some joy and some true happiness, not just truish. Listen, God likes, God wants to bless us. He does. He wants to bless us with good things. But God is not our spiritual vending machine. We don't just go to him when we want good things. We go to him in the midst of our struggles. We go to him in the midst of our failures. We go to him when, when we're, uh, you know, ashamed of ourselves. We go to God and God receives us, but he is not our spiritual vending machine. So this is what happens when we get this truish thing going. The typical, the typical progression when we believe that the bottom line is our happiness. When we think serving God is all about making me happy, God, it's your job to make me happy. Maybe I should have said regression, but here's the typical thing. Again, we start with God wants me happy, God wants me happy, and, and to make me happy, truth has to be whatever I want it to be because I want to walk in unforgiveness or I want to do this wrong thing. It brings me happiness. I can live however I want to live. I can do whatever I want to do. You know, if God wants me happy and we buy into this, I know I, know I shouldn't buy this. You know, I really shouldn't buy it. I don't even play the piano. But if I buy it, maybe I'll learn. My wife is a piano teacher. I know that our mortgage is due, but this is such, I'm going to buy it because it'll make me happy. And it's red. And I'm wearing black. And black and red go together. I'm going to buy it. I know I shouldn't go there. You know, I shouldn't really go there to that. But it'll make me happy. Look at everybody going there. They're smiling. And God wants me happy. I shouldn't watch that. I shouldn't look at that. But it's going to bring me some happiness. So why shouldn't I be able to watch it? You see, and we start to rationalize. And then the next thing in the progression is, truth becomes whatever makes me happy. Truth is whatever I want it to be. I can live whatever way I want to because that is my truth. That's relativism. That's my truth. And, and you know what? You can't convince me otherwise because I'm happy. So God's happy. We're all happy. The next thing in the progression is happiness becomes the standard by which I judge my actions. It becomes the standard by which I judge my actions. You know, if I'm happy, then my actions are good. I will do something if it makes me happy. If it doesn't make me happy, I won't do it. Why don't you go to church anymore? Nah, it doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. But the Bible says, neglect not the gathering together of the believers as the manner of some is. It also said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. The Lord also said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You know, there's a lot of things that, that, that talk about. In, in the New Testament, Jesus went to the temple. They gathered together in the New Testament church. They started in houses, but eventually got too big for the houses. They gathered together. All of those things are very important. But that doesn't make me happy. I'd rather stay home or go to wherever instead of that. And you see, if it becomes my standard, 
then it's only happiness thing. I don't want to tithe. I don't want to, I'd rather spend the money on, on, on some cake or something. You know, I don't know. I want to spend it on something else. I don't want to. Well, if I don't want to, it doesn't make me happy to do that. Then that becomes my standard again. And we change the word of God. Here's one. We, we walk away from anything that doesn't serve us. You don't make me happy. You don't do something good for me. I'm going to walk away from it. How about this? Should I take revenge on that person? Boy, that would make me happy. But the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Truish says, okay, but maybe God wants to use me as the one taking out that revenge on them. That's not what the scripture means. Not at all. Should I go get drunk? I mean, it's hot outside. I've worked hard. I think I'm just going to tie one on. I'm going to get drunk. But the scripture says, be not drunk with wine where it's in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Yeah, but it makes me feel good, at least for a while. Maybe not the next morning. It makes me happy, so it must be okay. Should I move in with that person? We love one another. It'll make me happy. But the Bible talks about fornication. It talks about adultery. It talks about all of those things many times. But we're just, we're just trying to, we're trying it out to see if we're compatible. You know what? God made us male and female. And if you don't know anything about anatomy, it kind of works. And, you know, if you think that, you know, you're not smart enough to figure it out, I will take you to a farm Because if a chicken, as dumb as a chicken is, if a chicken can figure it out, you can figure it out. <laughs> pastor, you. Mm. Some of you, I love, I love you, pastor. If it makes me happy, if it makes me happy, it can't be all bad, can it? Because it, it really does. Listen, I've had these conversations with people. And we've had, we, we have people that no longer come here because if we say something that's in the word of God and it makes you uncomfortable, it doesn't make you happy, then you go find somewhere else where it'll make you happy. And I got to tell you, in a stone throw, it doesn't take too far to find churches that will tell you things to make you happy. There are all kinds of things where the doctrine isn't sound. There's tons of ones that are preaching the truth. Let me put that out there. We are not the only ones. And we're, we're, we're learning all the time. But there, there are tons of church. The majority are preaching the truth. But you can find some that will agree with whatever sin you want to agree with. It is really quiet here today. I am preaching much better than you're responding. If it makes me happy, it can't be all bad. So listen. <laughs> Since God wants me happy, anything that doesn't make me happy must be bad. It must be bad. Any kind of discomfort, delay, suffering can't possibly be God's will. It just can't. We need to maybe change the marriage vows. You know, in, in just three weeks, yeah, Penny and I will celebrate our anniversary. She's been stuck with me in three weeks for 45 years. Hold on, baby, three more weeks, okay? 45 years, wow. Whew. 
we're old. <laughs> we got married when we were three, but uh, that still makes me old, though. <laughs> Listen, I, Perry, take you, Penny, to be my significant person in my life. For better and even better in health and health as long as we both shall love. I heard that in a wedding one time. Instead of as long as we both shall live, the minister said, as long as you two both shall love. And I went, well, that's a crock. That's terrible. That's awful. As long as you both shall love. I got news for you. In our 45 years, there have been mornings I know for a fact. My wife has rolled over and looked at me. And the first thing in her mind is not, I love that man. <laughs> We've gone to bed some nights and looked at each other and thought, I don't love. I'm mad you know, <laughs> at that person. But we know in our heart that we love each other. So listen. God wants me happy. Anything that doesn't make me happy must, must be bad. That's why the church is getting ridiculed today when they preach the truth because the world is saying, no, no, you can't say that. You can't, that is mean. That is hateful. It's the truth. It's the truth. And it's not to judge. Listen, if I say something and, you, and, and it's the word of God that offends you, I want to help you get to the place. I'm not, you know, we, we, we as a church used to point our fingers at people and say, if you don't stop that, you're going to hell. And we'd say it with a smile on our face. My God, if we think someone's going to hell, it should break our heart. Amen. And we should do everything we can to snatch them out of the fire, including love them. Because somebody loved me while I was a sinner. Christ did, but people loved on me while I was a sinner. Amen? Listen, then when you go past that, without knowing it, and everything's based on happiness, we start to serve the God of comfort and pleasure. We serve the God of comfort and pleasure. And how do we do that? This is a lengthy scripture, but I want you to follow along with me on here. This is talking about Solomon. Solomon said, I collected great sums of silver and gold and the treasure of many kings and provinces. He was a wealthy dude. And some people think, if I make more money, if I make more money and more money and more money, then I will have happiness. And because I have happiness, I will fulfill God's call in my life and everything will be good. That must be God's will. They said in today's terms that Solomon would be a trillionaire twice over. Then it goes on, so I became great. Well, let me back up. I didn't read all of it. Get this thing right. That's my fault. Nobody else's. I hired wonderful singers, men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. What's a concubine? I'll tell you later. I had everything that a man could desire, so I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I could take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. You know, some people, it's not the money, it's the getting the money, it's the work that was there. 
But as I looked at everything I had, I worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Solomon said, I had everything more than anybody in existence. And it didn't mean anything because it wasn't true. It wasn't what God wanted for him. We falsely believe this. That if we get nicer things, peaceful circumstances, enjoyable experiences, the right relationship, and the perfect appearance, that will equal happiness. It doesn't. There are people that have all of this and they take their own lives because they feel worthless. Nothing in this world made him happy. There's a story I read, and it, I'll just go real quickly. It just said that you could take a fish and put him up on the sand on the beach, and you could give him cash, you could give him a beach chair, you could give him girl fishies, you could give him a Corona and a cigar. Is he content? No. Why? Because he was not made for the sand. He was made for the water. I don't know about you, but understand this. We're not made for this world. We're made for a better place. I shared this the other day and I hesitated because my mother-in-law is here, but, but one of the last great conversations, matter of fact, it was the last conversation, real conversation I had with my father-in-law. I'd been up and down all night with him. Mom had been up and down a lot with him. And it was about five o'clock in the morning, just me and him sitting in the room. And I'm sitting on the bed and he sat up a little bit and he looked at me and he said, this is getting real, isn't it? I said, yeah, it is, Pop. It's getting real. He looked over at Mom and she was asleep in a chair. And I said, don't worry about her, Pop. We're going to take care of her. I, I give you my solemn oath. And he said, you know, it's hard to think that real soon I'm not going to exist in this world anymore. I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to exist. I said, that's heavy, Pop. That's heavy. And then he looked at me and he said, I thought about something else too. I said, what's that? He said, one of these days, soon, I'm going to close my eyes and when I open them back up, I'm going to see heaven I'm going to see heaven. <laughs> we'll see Jesus. I say, yeah, you are, Pop. I'm a little jealous. God always gives us a little bit of humor. He kind of got disoriented after that, asked me to hold his hand, and right after that, he looked around. He said, hold on tight. I said, what? He said, we're going to get out of this place. <laughs> I said, Pop, we're both tired. Let's, let's get a nap first, you know? <laughs> What are you saying is, will you sing this song, this world is not my home, I'm only passing through. If heaven were not my home, then Lord, what would I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shore, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Amen. You see, Pop got his reward. This world here, I don't care if it makes me happy or not. I'd like to be happy. Most of the time, I am happy. Some of you, it aggravates you that I'm happy so much. But we're not of this world. And that's not going to bring me the thing. So the last part of this, 
God understands my sin. That's truish. Not only God wants me happy, God understands my sin. That is truish. God does understand. When I fail and I fall short, God is right there with me. And he understands that I'm, that I'm human. He understands that I have imperfections. He understands as his child that I'm going to trip and fall and, and maybe get angry when I shouldn't get angry or say or do something. And he's there to help pick me up. He understands my sin, but that doesn't mean he's okay with my sin. He doesn't condone my sin. The most common, I think, misquoted scripture is Matthew 7, 1. Judge not lest you be judged. Somebody will be walking in blatant sin. And if you say something about it, don't you judge me. Don't you judge not. Judge not. Don't you judge me. I'm not judging you. The word of God is. If the Bible says to do it, then do it. If it says to not do it, then don't do it. Judge me. Don't you do that. In other words, this is the Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic translation. Don't you tell me how to live my life. No, I didn't look those up in that. Don't you tell me. I'm figuring. The Bible says, work out your own salvation. I'm working it out. Do you know how you work out your own salvation? You open the word of God. You read it and you follow it. The last part of that scripture that you leave out is with fear and trembling. It's dear God, I don't want to get anything wrong. I love you, Pastor Perry. Thank you. Ephesians 5, 3 through 8. Let there be no... What sin, Pastor? Can you name some? Well, let's just jump in one place here. Let there be no sexual immorality, no impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Last part, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, truish. For the anger of God will fall on all those who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light, the light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. I think our generation, our generation tries to use the Bible to excuse sin by taking partial scriptures. God does not wink at our sin. God does not say, well, I told you not to do that, but it's making you happy, so okay. It's okay. Don't participate, the scripture says. His grace will forgive. His grace will change you. The last scripture I want to read today. For the kind of sorrow God wants you to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. When we realize there is sin in our lives, we often try to do different things. Go through these real quick here. 
Number one, we try to defend it. We try to defend it. We sin and we say, look, look, here's why I did that. I know, God, you told me not to do it, but you did. I did it, and this is why I did it. I remember my dad one time, it was freezing cold, and dad told me to water the animals. We had a little farm at, water the animals, the dogs, the, you know, the cow, the different thing, water them, and if it's frozen, dump it out, give them fresh water. I got home, started playing basketball with some friends, sat down to dinner that night, and everybody had their iced tea around the table, and our tables were very formal. You, it was another story, but everybody had iced tea except for me. I had a glass of ice. And I said, hey, I, I didn't get any tea. Dad said, nope. Why? He said, you got ice. He said, so did the dogs, so did the cows, so did the pigs, so does everything out there. I said, but what am I going to drink? Or he said, why didn't you water them? I said, well, they had ice. They could lick it. He said, exactly. You got ice cubes. You can suck on them tonight. <laughs> we try to defend it. Like, it's okay. This water is just frozen. I know, God, it's a sin, but it made me happy, and this is why I did it. Or we'll say, like, you know, I listened to this podcast, and this guy explained why it's okay. Who is this guy? Is he out for your benefit? Or my friends agree. All of my friends agree that, you know, it'd be like me getting a group of friends saying, should I go over and punch Carlos? I walked close to him the last service, and I swear he had a blade. I'm just like, I'm getting away from him, you know? Just like, you know, it's like. But you know, you can get friends to agree with just about anything you do, if they're as dumb as you are. Listen, the Word of God is the Word of God. Doesn't matter what a podcast says, doesn't matter what friends or acquaintances say, I need to stick to the Word of God, because friends can talk you into sin. The other one, the last one here. I know the Bible says that, but I've prayed and I feel like it's okay for me. You do? You just said the Bible said, so you're smarter than God. Oh, I'm not judging you because I've said the same thing at times and God has <laughs> dealt with me. So we, we, we try to defend it. We try to repackage it. By repackaging, it just means, you know, I'm not lying. I'm just embellishing. I'm not lusting after her. I'm just admiring God's creation. I'm not gossiping. I'm sharing a prayer need about that individual. I messed up, you know. <laughs> this is where you do this one. We compare our sin. I messed up, but did you see what she did? It was even worse than mine. It's far worse. So as long as our sin isn't as bad as somebody else. I didn't rob a bank. I ain't never killed anybody. <laughs> all, all you, especially fathers, if you've got daughters. I don't have daughters. I, I, have, I have granddaughters now. Don't you mess with my granddaughters or my sons or grandsons. But listen, fathers, just imagine this. Your daughter brings home a boy from college. Dad, I'm in love. We're going to get married. This is Rufus. I want you to meet him. We're going to get married. 
We are so in love. And you look at the young man and you say, tell me something about you. And he said, I ain't never murdered nobody. <laughs> so anything below that is acceptable. Listen, we don't compare our sin. The last thing is we need to repent of it. We need to repent of it. The truth is found in the Word of God. The Word of God is the Word of God is the Word of God. And listen, I've, I've come across harsh some today, but if you're having a struggle with any of these sins, come sit down and talk with me. I will show you love and I will show you compassion, I promise. Some of you I've, I've, I've helped. Some of you I haven't. I've tried. You know? Some of you have helped me through some difficult times. Some of you have, have shared some things with me sometimes I didn't realize. That's family. And, and I promise you, there's, there's no judgment coming. Sometimes people will share things like, well, I need to tell you this about me. And they think they're going to shock me. You don't know my history always. <laughs> Hardly anything shocks me. Some of you have tried. But I promise, not just me, but, but, but this church will love you. We don't condone sin. We don't truish sin. We will tell you the truth. Would you bow your heads, please? Maybe you're here today and your, your case for being a Christian is this. I go to church some. I haven't murdered anybody. I do most of the things that the Bible says. But there are some things that I'm not doing right. I've never fully surrendered my heart to Jesus Christ. And I want to do that today. I want to fully give myself to him. If that's you, real quick, just lift your hand and say, I, I want to be totally given out. Amen. Amen. Somebody else? Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes it's just a recommitment and saying, okay, I just need to start at ground zero again and get my ducks in a row, as they say. Amen. Amen. I see that. Anybody else? Amen. Just, just pray this prayer, whether it, it's reconnecting with God or the first time you've ever done this. It doesn't matter. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Just, just say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need your truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And I've been supplying my own truth. I surrender my life to you right now. Be the Lord of my life. Show me areas that need to change. Show me areas I need to do better in. Lord, I repent of my sin. And I fully dedicate myself to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand this morning? There's some people that... Amen. I do apologize. I went like six minutes further than the first service. And it's still hot outside though, okay? A little warm in here. I guess I'll be making a phone call tomorrow. Uh, listen, let me just, just, just share this before I pray a prayer of blessing. Life track tonight, 5 o'clock, week 2. Discover your spiritual gifts. We're going to kind of see. It's an exciting night. Be here 5 o'clock. We have outstanding refreshments. It's unbelievable. That's truish. Uh, but uh, come, come on out. 
And, and please, I beg you, I really do. I don't usually beg, but I beg you, you will not regret signing up for Serve Day. Do it today. Do it before you leave if you can. And when we finish up, we will we'll meet here in the morning. But when we finish up, we will be at Beck's Pond for a big barbecue. And I'm telling you this, there very well may be prime rib and lobster. There also may be hot dogs and hamburgers. One of those is true and the other is just a blatant lie. But you'll have to figure out which, that's not even truish, you know. So whichever one you, you think, that's the one to go for. But please do that. I want to see your faces out there. I, I want to watch some of you that are always all prettied up sweating, you know, <laughs> uh, a mess. So uh, volunteer for, for the different areas. I just want to pray a prayer of blessing. Father God, I thank you and praise you for your love and goodness, for your mercy, for all that you do. I just pray a blessing over each and every person. God, I pray that you would just have your way today, Lord. Minister, God, do, do your thing in their lives, God, in my life. We want to follow your precepts. Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you stand, please? Amen.